release anything that's holding us back from worshiping you, from honoring you, from giving you all the glory, all the praise in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, I pray release over every sickness, every disease that's covering over our people, God, that is here, that is on live stream. Anybody who's connected to Capital City Church, I pray release, God, from any stronghold of the enemy in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, over their bodies, over their minds, over their spirits, God, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I ask that you have your way. Speak to the minds and the hearts of your people today, Holy Spirit. Move me aside and have your way, God. Have your way, God. This service is for you, God Almighty. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And the church said, amen. Hallelujah. 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 Fret not. Fret not, church. Fret not. Fret not. Psalms 37, 1 through 5, fret not. Fret not. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is where this message will be focused on today, church. But before we get there, I got a question. I got a question for us all. If we are spirit-led people, I truly believe that we are called to certain places, and we are called to certain people, called to certain places, and called to certain people by God, by God. So the question today is, to what or to whom you are called by God in this life? To what or to whom you are called by God in this life? Think about your life right now, church. Think about where you stand in your life right now, in this time in your life. Think about where you are. Think about who you're with. Think about what you're doing. Think about your jobs. Think about your jobs. If you are employed, then you have been called to that occupation. Think about your, your marriage. Your marriage. If you're married... You have been called by God to that marriage. What about your church? What about your church? You have been called by God to that church. If you are a member of that church. And there are a lot of other things that we are called to by God. But I think these three tops the list. You have family. You have work. You have faith. You have church. Now let me ask you this, church. Are there things that may cause you to walk away and abandon those things in which God has called you to? Are there things that will make you walk away 
and abandon those things that God has called you to. For instance, your job. Are there sinners all everywhere on your job? Are the people around you have no clue about Christ? Doesn't want to hear anything about the Lord? Is there opposition on your job? Is, there may be people that get promoted that you don't feel that they're worthy of the promotion because you work harder than they do. What about your marriage? Is there resentment of sin towards your spouse because of sin? Is there resentment and bitterness towards your spouse because of sin? And in your quiet time, you may ponder about leaving, about leaving that institution that God had called you to. What about your church? What about your church? Is there no holy people in the church? There are too many sinners in the church. Is there a lot of dislikes? A lot of difficulties? Do you plan on leaving the church because of these things that God have called you to? So we come to Psalms 37. Psalms 37, where the nation of Israel during this time of David was facing some of these same realities. Some of these same realities. God had called them to possess a land. To possess a land. He had called them, he had called them out of Egypt to possess the land of Canaan. But they never really possessed it. They never drove out all of the evil in that land. And the land was kind of filled with seemingly prospering sinners all around them. All around them. And some of the Israelites fell victim to that life of sin that they were surrounded. And David, at this time, was counted as a righteous man. He was counted as a righteous man. And David himself was tempted to abandon the land that God had given to them. Because at that time, King Saul was hunting them. He wanted them dead. He wanted him dead. Saul almost made David leave the land that God had promised him and the Israelites to possess because of his evil ways. He was willing to abandon the promise of God because of the evil of someone else. So in the midst of the temptation to leave the land, David, David, writes this song to encourage his fellow Israelites to stay, 
to stay, to be good, to do good, not abandon what God had called them to, even if there's evil everywhere, even if there's people who are trying to destroy you, even if you have a million dislikes, even if there's ungodly people. No one's holy, but God has called you there for a purpose, for a reason. So stay and do good in every place, church, that God has called you to in this life. That is why it's so important. It's so important for us as, as Christians to always live in the spirit. Always live in the spirit of God. Because wherever we are, we must know that it's the will of God for us to be there. Always live in the spirit. Whatever job we're on, we are to be led by the spirit of God. Whatever marriage we're in, we ought to be led by the spirit of God. Whatever church we're in, we ought to be led by the spirit of God of God so we can be certain that we are walking and living in his will and is of his purpose that we are where we are. We will not live in regrets if that's the case, if we're being led by the Spirit of God. We will have no regrets, church. No matter what we face, there will be no regrets no matter what we face because we know that God has brought us to that place or to that person, to that church. Hallelujah. David was speaking from experience, church, from experience. And he starts to sum off by encouraging the people with this. He says in verse 1, do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. Fret not of evildoers. Fret not of evildoers, nor be envious or jealous of those who sin. <laughs> Fret not. Don't get all worked up, church. Don't get all worked up when you see certain people thriving more than you. Especially if you think they're not a good person. Don't get all worked up over it especially if you feel like they don't follow God or they intentionally live a life of sin. Don't get all worked up. So what do we do when the bad guys win, right? What do we do when the bad guys win? How do we respond to that? <laughs> How do we respond when the bad guys win? When we live to do the right thing and we may get penalized, when we live to do the right thing and we seem to struggle at every corner, we struggle to make ends meet. We don't get the promotion, they get the promotion. We struggle while the wicked seems to prosper. He says, fret not. 
even when we have to work 50 or 60 hours a week just to pay the bills. Got to get a second job just for the groceries. We can barely keep up with our one car. Why the wicked don't even have a job? They got two, three cars and the big house. We have love, compassion for all people. The wicked loves no one, hates everyone, curses everyone out. But you are the one walking around with the broken heart. See, when the evil prospers and the good suffers, you can be tempted to doubt God. Especially if you are the good person. Especially if you are the good person. If you're not careful to have the right perspective, you can be tempted to say, man, Forget it. Forget this. Forget this. I'm joining them outside these doors. I'm joining the evildoers. I'm joining the sinners. They're the ones who seem like they're living the life. While I'm stuck in the house worrying about bills or where my next paycheck or my next meal may be coming from. See? David had been there, church. David had been there. First Samuel tells us David was anointed as a teenager. But he spent most of his days, years after that, running. Running from King Saul. King Saul wanted him dead. And this, at this time, David was counted as a righteous man. And King Saul wanted him dead. David actually had the chance to kill his enemy. They had him surrounded. Now, what would you do if you had the opportunity to take someone out that wanted to take you out, church? They had surrounded Saul in the cave. And his men told him, they said, here is the day in which the Lord said you to you, Behold, I give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as, it's, as it shall seem good to you. He had the invitation right there. The invitation to do what is good to him, to this man who wanted him dead. The evil versus the good. The Bible says, David, then cut his robe, cut a piece off his robe. And the Bible says his heart struck him when he did it. His heart struck him when he did it. He couldn't carry it out. He couldn't carry it out. Because even though King Saul was evil man at that time, he was God's man. He was God's man. He was counted anointed by God. And David said, 
the Lord forbid that I shall do this thing. Even though this man wanted to kill him, hunted him down, had him living in the cave. He said, Lord forbid I should do this thing. Then David had another chance to kill Saul. But he told his people, do not destroy him. <laughs> he said, do not destroy him. The Lord, as the Lord lives, he said, the Lord will strike or his day will come to die. <laughs> Say, or he will go down into battle and perish and perish. David refused to kill Saul because he had been assured that God himself would remove Saul. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He, David, then will become king. The promise of God. But he was only to come, become king at God's appointed time. At God's appointed time. He was not permitted to take the throne by force, church. No matter all the, the evil it was, he was not permitted. No. It was only on God's timing. David was anointed, living in the spirit at the time. Had a relationship with the Lord, understanding what would happen. He paused and stopped himself. Paused and stopped himself, even though the wicked was in front of him. He knew God had a plan for his life, church. David told Saul, he said, may the Lord judge, judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me against you. But my hand, hallelujah, shall not be against you, no matter how evil you are. No matter. So David is encouraging them in his own experience, church, not to fret. Not to be afraid of people who may want to do you harm. You are a child of God. You don't have to be jealous or envy the evil, the sinners of the world. Even though it seems as though they may be prospering or getting away with it. Because they're not. Because they're not. And then David says this. For they shall soon be cut down like grass and wither as the green herb. Now, as Christians, we don't wish harm on nobody. Nobody. No harm. No judgments. <laughs> but understanding that the prosperity experienced by the workers of iniquity is only temporary. Is only temporary. Grass is only green for a season. Herb is only green for a season, but they both will wither quickly. Quickly. So we don't have to become upset, church, because of what wicked people do. That's what David is telling us. They're surrounded by, they're, they're good people surrounded by the evil people. 
David says you don't have to worry about what they do. You don't have to be jealous of the people that do bad things. We don't have to be jealous of the sinners. We live for God. Don't get super upset or act crazy. <laughs> when you see people that get things that you may feel that they don't deserve it. Or ask why, why is it right for them and wrong for me? Oh, I'm quite sure we all pondered that a time or two, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because honestly, this is relatable to us all. It's relatable to us all, church. It is the core part of our human nature to look and compare, to look around and compare ourselves to other people. But it's also envy. It's also judgmental. And it causes anxiety within us. And it's also sin. It's also sin. Focusing on other people instead of fixing our hearts and our minds on Jesus. On Jesus. David said that shall be cut down like grass and wither. So don't worry. Don't worry. The prosperity of the wicked is temporal. And it passes and perishes. And they do also. Those that are not in the will of God. When Jesus comes back, will wither, will wither. Then he says, trust in the Lord. Don't worry. Trust in the Lord and do good. Do good, he tells them. Dwell in the land. Hallelujah. Dwell in the land and feed on his right and his faithfulness. They're surrounded by evil. He says, don't worry. Trust in the Lord. Do good. Stay in the land and feed on his righteousness. Instead of worrying, instead of envying, David counsels the man and woman of God to simply trust God. Do good. Not for their glory, but for his glory. For his glory. Show people who you are in Christ. Not for your glory. For his glory. Show them you can withstand the evilness that's faced before you. Not through your strength, but through his strength. But it's crazy how we can get distracted, church. From that simple fact of trusting God and doing good. By focusing on others who don't care nothing about God. We get distracted from focusing on God by people who don't care nothing about God. Nothing. How quickly. So trust in the Lord, church. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. No matter what you see. No matter what you hear, no matter what's before you, trust in the Lord. The enemy is all around you. He's all around you. The enemy does not love you. He does not love you. Trust in the Lord. 
trust in the Lord. Do you trust God? Do you trust God, church? Do you trust God with your life? Do you trust God, the Holy Spirit, to make your decisions for you? Do you trust God on that job? Do you trust God in that marriage? Do you trust God to lead you where you need to be in your faith? Do you trust God with the cares of this world? When he said, give them to me. Give them to me. Have you given him the cares of this world? Have you handed it over? Do you trust God enough to say, here you go, God. Have your way with these things. Have your way with these things that are taking me and my focus away from you. Have your way. Have your way. Have your way. Trust in the Lord is not only in our minds, church, but it's in our bodies, our faith, and our actions. We are told to put our trust in God and go about our merry way. That's it. Trust God and go about your merry lives. That's it. There's no fretting. There's no worrying. There's no envying. No. Lord, I trust you. I trust you, Lord. But it's hard, Lord. It's hard to be faithful in this unfaithful world. But I trust you, Lord. I trust you. Lord, it's hard to be righteous in this unrighteous world, Lord, but I trust you, Lord. I trust you. I trust you. Lord, it's hard to take the high road when everybody else is undercutting, Lord, but I trust you, Lord. I trust you. Oh, and we know, Lord, that it's hard to forgive in this unforgiving world. Hallelujah, Lord, but I trust you. I trust you, Lord. Your word says you would never leave us nor forsake us, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I trust you, Lord. I trust you. Even when we can't see, we got to trust in church. That's your faith. When we can't see the happiness, the joy that we need in this life. We still have to trust him. We still have to trust him. Trust in the Lord. Then she says, stay put and do good. Stay put and do good. When you're surrounded by the enemy, when you're surrounded by evil, when everybody else around you are sinners, you're supposed to stay put and do good. Stay put and do good. Good. Not only just stay, but do good. Oh, that's a command. There's no way we can do that in our flesh. No way. We'll fail it every time when we do it in our flesh. David counseled the man and woman of God to lead aside the worry and the envy, but simply stay put and do good and enjoy the blessings that God has given. Is God blessed? It's not up to your standards. 
is God's blessings not good enough for you to stay put and do good? We want more than what God has for us? God is not good enough for us? We got to go chasing after something else? When he says stay put and do good and feed on my faithfulness, we don't sit still enough to understand that God is faithful. We run from here to there as soon as someone upsets us. When God says stay put, you haven't given me a chance to bless you in that mess. We run us. We run us. We get upset and we run from place to place, church to church, marriage to marriage, friendship to friendship, job to job. We run us. But if God truly placed you there, if you was led by the Spirit to be there, you're running away from God. You're running away from God, and God can't help you running away from him. He can't help you that way. Stay put and do good. God had provided Israel with the land to enjoy. And his faithfulness was meant to be their security blanket amongst all the evil. Amongst all the evil. So yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I will stay put. And do good. Even though that job, even though that job is not where I want to be. I'm going to stay put and do good, Lord. Even though my marriage may be on shaky ground. Lord, I'm going to stay put, Lord. And I'm going to do good. Even though them church folks get on my nerves, Lord. They're always talking about they love me. They always want to encourage me to do what's right. They're always calling me, checking on me, encouraging me. But, Lord, even though they're doing all that, Lord, I think I'm going to stay put and I'm going to do good. Church folk. <laughs> and then I'm going to take David's advice and here he says this. And delight yourself also in the Lord. Delight. Stay put. Do good. Dwell. Stay. Dwell. Abide. Abide. In the Lord. Abide in the Lord. Fill yourself with his spirit, church. Abide in him. Delight yourself also in the Lord. And he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now when we hear that, when we hear the latter part of this, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. We say, oh, amen. Amen. I might think about delighting myself in the Lord. 
I just may think about that, right? David says replace that worry, that jealous, jealousness with your conscious delight in the Lord. We must expect all of our happiness to come from the Lord. And all of our happiness should be in the Lord, church. In the Lord. We cannot delight without, without effort, though. We cannot delight without effort. We must withdraw our eager desires for this world and fix our desires on the Lord. Withdraw those desires from this world. Withdraw them. Take them away from the world. Take your eyes off of the things of this world. Take your hearts off the things of this world. Take your mind off the things of this world and fix them on Jesus. Fix them on Jesus. Delight in the Lord. Delight in the Lord. And we must also do, take a page out of the evildoer's book. Take a page out of the evildoer's book, church. See, the evildoers, the sinners, they delight in their portion. They delight in their portion to their fullest ability. They delight in doing evil. They delight in sinning. You see it everywhere. They delight in their portion. But our portion is Jesus. Why aren't we delighting in him, in our portion, as the sinners delight in their portion? Delight in your portion. Jesus is the church's portion. Delight in your portion. Delight in the portion of Jesus. And when David, he said, David said, when you do that, he will give you the desires of your heart. Is that too much? Delight only in your portion? Only in your portion. Your portion is good. Your portion is perfect. Your portion is made for you. Made for you. But we don't want that portion. We don't want that portion. We walk away from our good portion, our perfect portion in Jesus, the portion that wants to save us from evil. He wants to give us a life of abundance, a life of peace, a life of protection, a provision. And we walk away from that portion. Wow. 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 We walk away from that portion to do the portion of the evildoers, of the sinners. When our portion is the Lord, that is the only portion that we are promised. And we abandon that portion. We abandon that great portion of the Lord. He says, he shall give you the desires of your heart. 
Do we think that we deserve the desires of our heart when we abandon our portion? That we don't take full delight in our portion, but he should still give us the desires of our heart. And when we don't get it, we say, Lord, I'm done with you, Lord. You ain't faithful, Lord. I'm done. You saw me in need, Lord, and you ain't helped me. We'll abandon the Lord quick. We'll walk out of the Lord's church. We won't even pray no more. We won't even deal with his people no more. Our faith is gone. All because we didn't want to delight in our portion. We must look ourselves in the mirror and understand why things don't happen for us. Instead of focusing on why, why things should happen, understand why things don't happen for us. And I guarantee you, if you do that, you will come back and say, I'm sorry, Lord. There will be repentance then when you look at the word of God and see what is required. <laughs> what is required of God's people. Just pour yourself in that portion of Jesus. Feed on his faithfulness. Feed on his faithfulness. There's nobody else in this world more faithful than the Lord. Nobody. 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 Or nothing. Nothing. Your car will let you down. You don't pay your bills, your, your house will be gone, your lights will be off, your water cut off. If you don't treat somebody right, they're going to leave you. <laughs> huh? But we sin against God and he don't leave us. But man, get upset and gone. Bye. Bye. And, and, and sometimes you want to say, well, that's life. That's who we are. That's not who we are. As Christians, that's not who we are. I said, stay put. Do good. Stay put and do your part. Stay put and do your part. Do your part and leave the rest up to God. Show God that you can be faithful. Try to match his faithfulness. To God, you are faithful, so I'm going to stand in the gap and I'm going to be faithful to what it is that you call me to. The desires of your heart. Take delight in the Lord. Does your heart find peace in the Lord? Does your heart find peace in the Lord? Do you let the cares of the world rob you of your peace? Do you let the people of the world rob you of your peace? Do you let Satan rob you of your peace? Do you let the cares and the people of this world cause you to go into, to have an anxiety attack? Do you let the cares and the people of this world cause you to go into depression? When that marriage is on the verge of separation, 
can you still find peace knowing that God called you to it and he will call he will make you go he will call you to it and he will see you through it even when it's on shaky ground even when you're avoiding each other even when there's arguments every single day it's of God and we have to honor these things. What about that job? If there's no peace on that job, that job lets you go today? Will you still have peace in the Lord knowing that, God, I trust you, that you got something better for me? Even if they say it's over, here go your pink slip, it's over. Will your heart still have peace in the Lord? Saying, Lord, I ain't worried. I know you got something better for me. But see, we have to be in the will of God to expect good things of God like that. And when it don't happen, you can't get mad with God. Look at your life. Look how you've been treating your portion. Does your heart find fulfillment in the Lord? Does your heart find fulfillment in the Lord? Are you satisfied with your portion? Are you satisfied with your portion? Are you content with your portion? Are you content with Jesus? Are you content with the blessings of Jesus? Are you content with the fact that Jesus saved your life? That he died on the cross for you? Are you content with that to accept your portion and to live in your portion? Is the Lord, the Lord enough for you? Is the Lord enough for you? When we don't cherish our portion, we're saying he's not. He's not. If I can stand before you, church, and call these things out, what do you think the Lord is saying? What do you think God is looking down saying? He is our portion. Allow the Lord to fulfill your hearts. Do you rejoice in the eternal things of God? Do you rejoice in the eternal things of God? We was talking about praising and worshiping. Those praises, those worships are going up to heaven. They are rising up to heaven when we pray. Those prayers rise up to heaven. To heaven. Do you rejoice in his righteousness? Because only through our portion that we become righteous. Hallelujah. I'm righteous. Hallelujah, glory to God. I'm righteous. I'm counted as righteous in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Do we rejoice in the fact that we're counted righteous? A lot of times we don't because we don't look at the evil that's inside of us. We don't compare the evil that's inside of our true nature 
to what the Lord has saved us out of so we don't see the goodness of God saving us from ourselves and counting us righteous because we don't see the evil in ourselves, in this flesh. When we see the evil in ourselves, church, it's a whole different ball game. It's a whole different faith journey. It's a whole different walk. This race will be totally different from you when you see the evil within yourself. But he sees it. He sees it. That's why he won't leave you alone. <laughs> That's why he will not leave you alone. Because he knows you need saving. He knows it more than you do. That's the good God we serve, church. Rejoice in his holiness. Rejoice in his holiness. Rejoice in the fact that you serve a holy God. A holy God. You serve a perfect God. Someone who never gets things wrong. Somebody who loves you with this perfect heart. That's why he sustains us, because he's perfect. All the mess we did in our lives, and he still keeps us. Only God can do that. We deserve death. Many people have been close to death, and only God can rise them back up. Because he's a holy God, he's a perfect God. That means he controls all things. All things, church. Do you rejoice in the one true God? That's who he is. The one true God. The God that loves you. The God that wants to help you. The God that wants to comfort you. The God that wants to protect you. The God that wants to give you provision. The God that wants to save your family, your kids, your grandkids. He is that God that only he can do it. And we are the avenue to that. Everyone that's here, every parent in here, every grandparent in here, we are the avenue to the goodness of God flowing through our families. It starts with us. We are that avenue. It starts with us. Rejoice in the eternal things of God. And he will give you your heart's desires. That's a wonderful and safe promise that he will give us our heart's desires. The one who truly delights in the Lord will find their heart's desires changed. They will be changed. They will be steady, steadily aligned with his desires for you. You will have no control over it. Once you give the Lord your heart, you have no more control over your desires. All of a sudden, your desires will be aligned with his. And that righteousness that you will be, you was counted in, you will now be living it. You will now be living it because of your heart is aligned with God's heart. Your desires are aligned with God's desires. See, this shows that God intends to fulfill our heart's desire of the redeemed of the redeemed man and woman. 
you, you got to receive the promises of God if you're redeemed. It says, let the redeemed say so. The redeemed stays too quiet. Too quiet. The redeemed supposed to be filled of the Holy Spirit. Allowing the Spirit to lead them in every portion of their life. But the redeemed is not praising God, giving God glory that he deserves. But the evildoers, oh, the evildoers will shout evil and sin all over this world. Delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord, church. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. That's what David was trying to tell them. Commit your way to the Lord through the troubles of this life. Through the troubles of this life. Commit your way to the Lord. Also means this. Finding your peace and satisfaction in the Lord. Commit can also means getting rid of a burden. Getting rid of a burden. Commit them cares to the Lord. Commit your life to the Lord. What is causing you to have a burden? Commit it to the Lord. If we got wayward kids, commit them to the Lord. Commit that crazy job to the Lord. Commit that marriage to the Lord. That friendship, whatever it may be, commit it to the Lord. Let the Lord lift your burdens. Let him lift your burdens. Let go and let God. Let go and let God. God, you know, I wish, I wish it was, well, it's easier said than done, I know, I know, but it's a must, if we don't do it, we're not trusting God, we're not trusting God, see, God never told David and the Israelites that it would be easy to possess that land. He never told him that. He never told him that it would be trials and tribulations. He never told him that. He never told him that, that Canaanites would just lay down and allow them to take over their land. He never told them that. But what he did tell them is that I promise you it shall come to pass. I promise you it shall come to pass. And that's what David was trying to tell them. No matter what you see, no matter what your eyes see or your ears hear. Trust in God's promises for your life. His promises is that it shall too come to pass. Whatever I promise you, if you are a child of God, it will come to pass. Trust me, he says. Dwell, abide in it. Stay put. Do good. He says, feed on my faithfulness. (laughs) Feed on my faithfulness. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, hallelujah.
Fret not, church. Fret not. Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your word, God. We thank you for the hearts that are here, God. We thank you for the hearts that are live screaming, God. Right now, Father, I just want to just want to pray over every family that's in here, God. Every one of their family members, God. Everyone who's connected to them, God. Everyone that's live streaming, God. I pray a hedge of protection over everyone, God. Their families, their children, God. Their children's children, God. That no harm, no danger, no sickness or disease may come upon them, God. And I pray, God, that you direct our path. You direct our hearts, God, to align with your desires, God. Lead us in a way, God, that we never seen before. Speak to us as, as we never heard before, God. God, we need you, God. We're surrounded, God. We're surrounded. And it seems like sometimes we're losing the battle. But, God, we know that you're with us, God. We trust that you're with us. As you will not abandon us, we will not abandon you, God. God, we will stand in your righteousness, God. We will live this life knowing that you are faithful, God. God, we thank you for your provision, God. We thank you for your mercy, God. We thank you for your, for your grace. Where would we be without your grace, God? Where would we be without your love, God? When we're in this world and it seems sometimes no one loves us, God. But we can count on your love, God. And we thank you for that love, God. Where would we be without you, God? Without our faith, God. Where would the alone be? without having you to hold on to, God. There are plenty of the sick and shed in, God, that you are their portion. You are their only portion, God. And I thank you for being their portion, God. I thank you for being their portion. God, and I pray that we all look ourselves in the mirror and, and I pray that our heart's desires will allow Jesus to be our portion. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord. We love you.